You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. We got a couple of episodes in regards to top 25, under 25. And for once, we're the full continent here today. Matt, thank you for joining us in the middle of a workday. In the middle of a workday. So, like, don't uh, don't don't tell my boss. I, I got a question for you guys, though, before we get started. Are you guys NFL fans? Yeah. What's your favorite teams? Uh, it used to be the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Tennessee Titans. Zero Super Bowls. What about you, Pat? Well, I'm 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 an old guy, so you know it's the Packers for me. The Packers. All right. Well, myself, I'm a big fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the two-time Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you happen to be a fan of an NFL team as well, we got some really good news for you. Fans for a Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice, up to five thousand dollars rules to enter are pretty simple all you got to do is go over to contest.fansfirstsports.com that's contest.fansfirstsports.com fill out the appropriate information and that's it once you've done that you're entered to register uh and win four free tickets to any week one nfl game what are you waiting for go over pretty quick because the contest ends on september 4th so hurry up you might want to go see the cleveland browns or the super bowl list <laughs> tennessee titans if you're jared i don't know do whatever you like Hey, I mean, if, uh, if 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 there's four tickets, does it cover the airfare from Sweden as well? Yeah, well, with fifty, with five thousand dollars, I think it would, Manton, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say, like, I mean, for this season, I will be a Buccaneers fan because I'm a fan of Baker Mayfield, and he's the starting QB for the Bucks now. So, but the the thing is, though, there's like this crazy storm going into to to Florida, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's yes, called it Baker <laughs> Baker Mayf- Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's her- yeah. Hurricane Baker is coming to take on the NFL. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we 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 love the fact that NFL is about to start. I hope you enjoy your fantasy leagues and and getting warmed up for the fantasy leagues in hockey. And we're here to talk about the plateaus. And I'm not talking about the Highland Plateau of Inner China or the Central uh, African one, or not even the the uh, Colombian uh, wine in in um, South America. Uh, we're talking about plateaus in the top 25, under 25 rankings. And there's been quite a few of them, Jared. Uh, it's never really been this crazy with plateaus before. It's been more of a ladder. or, or and, and this time, it's more of like, here's a group of players. And then there's a big <laughs> jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the whole ranking is here's a bunch of players <laughs> and try and figure them out. And And before you know it, you know, players you really like are in the 30s. And I'm like, oh, how did that happen? Um, yeah, I, I the, the numbers this year I, I think matter matter less than any other year. Um, it, it reminds me of like the days when like Charles Houdon was like top five, and people look back and like, oh, how could you have Charles Houdon in number five? It's like, well, look who else is there. <laughs> it's not our fault. The Canadians had no depth under 25 years old, and, and I feel like this year is the opposite. It's like, how could you have this guy so low? And it's like, well, look at the guys ahead. <laughs> how are we supposed to move them up? And and that's that's what you see here. And because of that, there's there's little groupings of 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 similar rank prospects, right? Prospects who are 
you know, in the same range of, of life. And, and I think that it makes for interesting discussions because, you know, you can argue a guy is five spots higher or lower than he should be, but really it's like less than half a point between him and the, the person five spots below. Yeah, and Anton, if, if we look at the rankings, first and foremost, what stands out is really that Leah Sanderson made the rankings at number 27, but he was ranked number 27, uh, 25. Uh, Leah Sanderson made the ranking at 25, but he was ranked 27th in, in the combined rankings. But below him, we have the first real grouping, which is six players within 1.6 of the consolidated rankings. And, and I mean... There are some high-quality prospects there, and there are some obviously trending down for one reason or another. Are, are you surprised about that grouping? Um, in retrospect, I'm... Um, well, I, I really like, uh, you know, some players like Vincent Rohrer and, and Oliver Kappen and also William Trudeau and Xavier Simonot. That's the problem. Like, there are too many players now that you actually feel quite good about, that you feel like if you have a 10-grade scale of prospects, then you at least feel high enough to maybe rank, you know, them in as as having a decent chance of, of becoming NHL players, at least for, for some part of their career. Um, on if, if we look like three, four years back, uh, a lot of these players would have been in the high teens uh, on a top 25, under 25 ranking. And now it's basically like Caden Primo and Matthias Norlander, who were top five, top 10 players just a couple of years ago. Now they are down there in, in that position together with four players who are trending upwards. So yeah, it's really uh, it's really interesting, and obviously, Elias Anderson was an um, was an AHL quality player, and he's going to be there as a veteran presence uh, for the Laval Rocket this season. So it's not bad that he is at the number twenty five. It's probably fair value uh, considering what that he has actually proved more, um, especially at the AHL level, than a lot of these other players, but. Yeah, um, I can definitely see Kapanen, Trudeau, Rohrer, uh, Simonov moving upwards in the uh, upcoming years. Matt, obviously, you know, uh, the, the there are more, I mean, it's almost the same amount of plateaus. There's gaps between the plateaus. We got Leah Anderson as a gap, but then you got uh, the two goalies, uh, Fowler and Dobich, more or less on tight. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, we, we've seen it with goalies before that they have a tendency to start out pretty low on our list and then rocket their way up, uh, you know, as their careers go on. I was kind of surprised to see Fowler uh, land that high uh, as a recent draftee. I thought he might have been a little bit lower on the list. Uh, Dobish surprises me a little bit less. I think he's come on uh, through his NCAA career uh, in the eyes of Habs fans, and I think people are kind of looking forward to see what he can do in the AHL this year. I figured, you know, Fowler was going to be lower on that list because usually they just have to, like, that's kind of the thing with goalies is they got to start a little bit lower. We've got a high standard in Montreal thanks to having, uh, you know, Carey Price for so long that some of these goalies can't start that high. So I was kind of surprised that he actually made it into the list. But like you said, you got that grouping below them, just uh, underneath Elias Anderson that didn't make the top 25. Some of those guys had, like a number of them had votes inside the top 25. Uh, Anton touched on Xavier Simonot. He had three guys, including Anton, myself, and Hattie that all ranked him inside of our top 25. I had him at 21, Hattie had him at 17, and Anton had him at 23. Uh, people seem to forget this is a guy that scored almost 40 points with Laval last season. Like that, that's how good this list was as even when you go deep to the people who just barely missed it, you've got some legitimate prospects that have potential, you know, legitimate shots at making the NHL as early as the next couple of years. Indeed. And, and 
if you look at the the plateau just above Jaden Strubel, who's in the middle of, of his own a little bit, but then you got Heinemann, Ilonen, Kidney, Meshar. And and let's be honest here, Heinemann, Ilonen, and Kidney are more or less fighting about the same spot on the on the main roster. Pretty much, right? And I think Heinemann, uh, he, he might have the inside track at this point. I, I don't know. I mean, he was really good at camp last year. I think he turned a lot of heads. And if they are fighting for the same roster spot, he could hypothetically have the inside track, which sounds weird because Elanen has actually been in North America. He's been playing with Laval, uh, clearly very good on the power plays, an area where the Montreal Canadiens definitely could use a little bit of help. Um, but it, it should be interesting to see what those guys do at camp. And, uh, you know, they, they're ranked right beside each other. And you mentioned the plateaus, right? I mean, he's literally Heinemann, if I'm looking at the list right now, was 0.333 higher in the consolidated rankings. So basically, when you take the rankings together, they were ranked, they're, they're basically tied. Yeah, more, more or less they are. And and one thing that speaks maybe to, to Heinemann's disadvantage is that he doesn't need waivers to, to go down. And, and this might be something that impacts very good players, Jared. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's something that's that they're gonna have to look at. I mean, even when you go, high, you know, higher up the the rankings, there's a lot of talented players that that don't need waivers that they might send down instead of losing somebody on waivers or putting somebody on waivers. It, it's it's gonna be very interesting because especially after the the Mike Hoffman Rem Pitlick trade, there, there's a little bit more room to play with uh, at forward. And I think that there are opportunities for players who perform well in camp. Uh, the defense is going to be a little bit of a mess, I think. Um, just because I think that there's, you know, even if you just take the players who were in the NHL last year, there, there's eight players for for a handful of spots. And we're going to get to to some, I guess, in, in the next um, the next grouping of players. But yeah, for me, everything from my list, I think about 23, 24 up, uh, was very close, but between like nine and nine, ten, and and twenty three was was extremely close. Um, and, and so there there were obviously little tears in there, but it, it, I I it, it's such a you mentioned before about guys who were in the thirties or Anton did, uh, who would be in the the teens. Um, I, I think that a lot of the players, you know, from twenty twenty four twenty five, uh, up to 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 fifteen would have been top ten. In, in other years, uh, potentially. So yeah, it's it, it's a really good group of, of prospects. And and the, the hard part for us uh, and people who do the rankings is that there's it's a very young ranking, right? Everyone is in their first or second year professionally in North America or just entering their first year. Like it, there's not a lot of like to like comparisons to, to go by. And and so I think that that's something that makes it more challenging. And and really, what makes these groupings closer together is that you know who's to say whether Emil Heinemann or Riley Kidney is better because they've been playing on different sides of the world uh in different leagues and it, it's an incredibly hard to to compare them uh same thing with Philip Machar so I, I think this year with a lot of them going to be in Laval it's going to make it a little bit more clear probably next year um but it, it I think that's one of the big challenges this year and why everything is so close We'll put it this way too, like Kidney has back-to-back 100-point seasons in the queue. If we go back, if we rewind the clock even two years yeah. backwards right now, <laughs> if we had a guy who had two back-to-back 100-point seasons, he's top five yeah, without a doubt. I was going to say, yeah. 
and he doesn't have a single top five vote. And as a matter of fact, looking at the list, he doesn't have a single top 10 vote, Riley nope. Kidney. I was highest His highest ranking was Anton at 15. Yeah. yeah. And Riley Kidney might be the most underrated, um, like, 100-point scorer that Canadians have had yeah. in the organization. Back like, to like, back. It, it it surprises me when you even say that he has 100 points because it's like it just it doesn't compute because like he, he's so i don't want to say he's so far down the list but but there's he but because he's he's so like out of mind i think compared to everybody else uh that they're just kind of like oh yeah that guy's really good too like i, I think he gets lost um a little bit more than owen beck does as an example right and there's there's like what yeah. 10 spots between the two almost um so i mean yeah it's it's very interesting to see like perception is so much like if if bradley kidney played in the preseason game last year you know you can probably move him up like 10 spots because he gets more eyes on him right so but it's, it's, it's also just, it's, it's interesting yeah it's also easier maybe to see a route into the nhl for owen beck um he doesn't have to yeah. be that big point total guy but riley kidney maybe has to you know be on a top six line and you know have the correct line mates to be able to provide those you know those dangles and all the yeah technical plays that he can do but it's also i was going to say the same about emil heinemann like this guy comes over and he has seven goals and two assists in his first 11 games with the rocket and is outside of the top 20 um so and this guy is well he has a shooting percentage of what 22 yeah but do, yeah but it doesn't matter if we compare it to a couple just a couple of years ago this guy's 21 years old if we saw someone come in and just pro, like produce that way uh in his first few games uh, yeah. at north of american level um we would be over the moon and now it's just like yeah all right maybe you will be turned into something but it doesn't really matter because we have a lot of other guys that we hope more for but 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 isn't this also part of a, the fan base being maybe a little bit more educated in regards to you know shooting percentage and and overall play no yeah no. but <laughs> but at the same time it's, it's maybe a little bit group. i i i think that's that's the main thing right because and Anton kind of touched on it a little bit too, is that before, and if you look at past rankings, it was like, oh man, Charles Houdon, he's tearing up the AHL. He has to work. <laughs> and if he doesn't, there's nobody else there. And and in this prospect pool, it's like, okay, so, you know, they have Slavkovsky, they have, uh, you know, Joshua Wah, they have, you know, guys like that. But if they don't work, then they have the intriguing guys like the, the Heinemans, the Ulanins. Um, the kidneys and and stuff like that, and I think that that what what we used to be the top tier of prospect in Montreal, where you're you know you're hoping for guys where they, you might not see a clear path or there, there's there's some issues in their game, and you just bet on the the upside. Now there's there's so many more, you know, I don't want to say sure things, but more uh, well rounded prospects that those guys who have the the, the high toolkits and are like. Oh, I I don't know if they can make it to the next level. They they kind of drop down a little bit because you have guys who who have done it before, or 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 you know, in the case of Harvey Pinard and and guys like that. And you know, I I'm I'm kind of moving ahead of myself a little bit, but Sean Farrell, right? Like he would have been top five in in previous years. Like you have a score like that, one of the top scores in the NCAA, goes to the Olympics, goes to the World Championships, uh, and and you know barely makes what the top top 15 well you have the same with the two with, with the defensive pairing more or less yeah. and at 15.6 and 15.7 with Cheka and Mayo we touched on it the the 
defense will be a crapshoot, really, in, 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 or a shootout at Oko Corral, uh, who is left standing at the end of it. Uh, Matt, is there a risk that Shekai actually gets sent down to the rocket because he doesn't need waivers? Or does he? He doesn't, right? Um, no, he doesn't. Look, I, he, doesn't. he doesn't need waivers, so there's definitely a risk that that happens. I think it depends how things shake out in camp. I think he does bring an element. This has been brought up. I'm, I, I can't take credit for this. I've seen multiple people say this on Twitter and elsewhere. Almost every team in the division has added some face punchers in the offseason. The Leafs have Ryan Reeves now. I think that element that Jack Eye brings of, of being willing to drop the gloves and being capable of going with some of the heavyweights in the league, I, I think they're going to need that at some point. So he's going to be playing for the Habs. But I, I do think there's a strong possibility that he plays some games for Laval as well. Because the, the simple fact is this team is still working through the rebuild. They need to figure out who can play in their top four moving forward. And if they don't have those players right now, then they need to go out and look for them towards the end of the rebuild. So they need to try some guys out. And unfortunately, I think that might come at the expense of Jack Eye because we know pretty well at this point what he can and can't do. Um, and they need to figure out what other people can and can't do. So if he's not requiring waivers, anybody not requiring waivers is going to be at the risk of, of playing some games in, in Laval for sure. Anton, is it is it terrible to lose Chris Weidman on 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 a on a free more or less? No, no. Why would it be terrible? No. Like Chris Chris Weidman was a lovely guy, and I was happy that he got you know a proper chance in the NHL after tearing up the KHL. But he's a guy for a subpar NHL team uh, who doesn't have a power play quarterback for the second power play, and. Uh, this team has at least a couple of guys coming up now in the upcoming years who can fill that role, and it's fun to see. We're going to get to Justin Barron in a in a yeah in a while, and we've already touched on William Trudeau, for example, who took Barron's place on the power play in in um, in Laval when Barron got sent up. So there are a couple of guys, except for obviously Mayu and, and Hudson and these guys, who can you know add some offense from the defensive uh, spot so yeah chris weidman as a personality great uh otherwise uh he will not be missed on the um on the ice i was just gonna say like um uh, it would be fun to just for a couple of games during the season uh see logan mayu and arbor Shekai on the same pairing in laval and just see see what kind of like dynamic they would have together because it would be um it would be imposing at least I'm glad you added Laval because I thought you were going with the NHL. No, God, no, I'm like, God, okay. no, I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't know if I want to see that in the NHL this season. <laughs> no, um, but well, uh, no. Let's face uh, yeah. Toronto with that pairing and see what happens, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I think that that you know, in in Chris Weidman's case, at least he doesn't have to take an Uber from from Montreal to Laval. There, there's a metro. <laughs> Uh, looking at, at one of the groupings that, that really uh, stood out and, and resulted in a lot of discussion was the, the Sean Farrell, Jordan Harris, Harvey Pinard, uh, Engstrom and Baron, and, and a lot of people were saying he should be ranked higher, he should be ranked higher, or this one should be ranked higher, and this one is too high, etc., etc. But essentially, they are tied for 11th or for what? Yeah, 11th. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a group that's so interesting to me. And, and I think why they're grouped together is because you have some people who 
you know, are low on them <laughs> and, and some people who are, who are much higher on them in, in some cases, right? I mean, the, the ranges on those uh, in, in that group of players, I mean, Barron goes 10 to 21, uh, Engstrom goes 7 to 18, Harvey Pinard goes 10 to 16, Harris goes 9 to 20, Farrell goes 8 to 31. Like the, the ranges are so wide that, that once you get to the averages, it they, they are all kind of the same, but people have wildly different thoughts about them. Like if you ranked, you know, Sean Farrell 31st and, 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 and you know, Adam Engstrom 7th as an example, like you're going to say, how could these players be so close together? Uh, but but then when you average it all out, it all kind of makes sense. And and Matt, it's been 500 votes. So so the eyes on the price community has, has really stepped up and, and give some really, really strong feedback into the system, right? Yeah, I think the community vote's important. Um, I, I can't remember. How long ago did we institute that where we made it one of the panel votes i want to say this was back in like 2016 or 2015 it was a while ago but you can see it 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 really adds to the panel i think having more votes is why as you mentioned uh as jared said you know some people might have on their personal ballots they go well i don't get it i had this guy ranked in the 40s or whatever but how did he get that high it's because there's a lot of those variances and some of those lower rankings are what drag them down a little bit um, I think, you know, you look at Justin Barron, Doc Matic, uh, one of our community voters that got brought in and, and put as part of the panel, had him at 21. You know, you have him a little bit higher. He might get a little bit closer to Owen Beck. He might be in that next plateau uh, up there with Beck and Josh McGuire. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to have more votes. I think that's what makes the exercise fun is that we've got so much input that goes into it. That it can really it, it, it more accurately represents the fan base. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Joshua Roy because if someone didn't rank him at number one, you know, he would have been in the same grouping as Baron and Engstrom and Pinard, Harris and Farrell. Well, I'm, I'm glad I did because I'm, I'm, I'm out there <laughs> fighting the good fight. All right. <laughs> well, uh, as mentioned, Beck Roy and Newhook. And, and I, I, I dare, dare I say that Newhook might be undervalued here, Jared? Yeah, I, I think with Newhook, it's kind of weird because for me, in, in my ranking, he was clearly eighth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he was, there's like, you want to talk about like plateaus in my rankings? Like Alex Newhook was by himself because he, he was. Oh, he was so you got that one right as well. It yeah, was just I, a number. I, I did get that one right. <laughs> um, and, and, and really what, 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 ha- what's, what, what's interesting with me is I, I think the guys above Newhook all had really high votes, right? Like, um, you know, from from Hudson, Slavkovsky, uh, Gouli, all the way down to 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 Wa, um, they they all had votes in the top five, whereas Newhook's only you know seventh, and, and I think that that's what makes it so interesting, and and I think that um, you know Newhook had a high of seven, a low of twelve, like it was very very uh, clear where people thought of him. He was kind of like in between the the, the grouping below and the grouping above. And I think that when you have the averages, it kind of makes a bigger gap than than appears to be the case because I don't think the gap between Newhook and Reinbacker is that big as as it is in the, in the rankings. I mean, it's only it's almost three spots in, in terms of points on the rankings. But I think what was clear is that Reinbacker was probably ahead of of Newhook. So when no. everyone votes ahead, um, for the most part, no. um, it, it makes it that it it it. It creates that gap, that the, but for me, I mean, Newhook was was clearly eighth um, with a chance to move up, just like Kirby Doc was fifth a year ago and and had a chance to move up, and he did. 
I have to answer to that because I was the only one who put New Hook ahead of Reinbacher. And uh, it's just, no, no, but it's just interesting because um, leading up to the draft, obviously, David David Reinbacher kept rising. Um, everyone kept saying, like, oh, it's going to be picked earlier. Uh, basically, the same as when Kaden Gouley got selected 16th by the Canadians in 2020. Basically, what Montreal were saying was that if we hadn't. Um, won uh, that series, that play in series over Pittsburgh, we would still have wanted him at nine. Um, they said that they got they got their guy, basically. Um, and it felt the same here. Uh, like, they wanted Reinbacher and they picked him at fifth. And it's the same way that the Red Wings selected more insider. Um, but, like, a couple of years ago, like in, well, like a few, a few years ago, now four years ago, Alex Newhook was selected 16th overall. And he could have been selected earlier as well. Um, he has played a lot of NHL games. And, you know, even if he didn't come to his full fruition there, um, we have seen the same thing happen with Kirby Doc. And we've seen uh, Martin Saint-Louis being excellent in developing younger players and making them find a bigger role and and bigger confidence in his system. So uh, at this point, uh, Alex Newark is an NHL player and we still don't know what David Reinbacher is. We know that he was excellent in the in the Swiss League. But for me, um, it was clear to put Newhook ahead of Reinbacher and I was surprised to see Newhook being below our recently, um, our recent fifth, uh, fifth overall pick, actually. I will have to say, though, that I, I know a lot of uh, comments, they, they say this, I read the comments every day on the articles and every morning, uh, if I'm not driving, because then, then I have to drive. Uh, but essentially, a lot of people say, if a team gives up on a player, you rank them lower. And and uh, I think that might be Newhook's fault in this case. It, not fault, but it, it does, it's a disadvantage for Newhook in that case. On the other hand, Emil Heinemann has been traded twice already, and uh, he's st- on a steady climb. Um, Matt, we got Caden Gooley, Lane Hudson, and David Reinbacher in that plateau on the top five, uh, or, or could have been top five, all of them. Uh, is that the core of the new defense coming up? I I think so. I think that's the hope. I mean, we saw Lane Hudson and David Reinbacher together at, um, at development camp, and they had immediate chemistry. I think that's a pairing that the team wants to take their time with. And I think they want those guys to come up together into the NHL. And I, I could see that working at the next level as well. It, it just looked so good at development camp. You don't want to read too much into, you know, scrimmages and stuff like that at a dev camp, but just the, the smoothness, the, the, the familiarity that they seem to have with each other so quickly that that kind of thing could, could play in the future. And it could be a, a pairing for a long time for the Habs and Caden Gooley. I think everybody's looked at him as, you know, the future number one, uh, on the left side at some point right now, I have him behind Mike Matheson. And I wrote this in the article um, for him on the top 2525. I think for Caden Gooley, the key this year is figuring out the right partner. Clearly last year, it, it did not work with uh, David Savard. It, it worked a little bit better with Joel Edmondson, but it was not a fun role for Caden Gooley to be in. I don't think he was ready for that number one left D role. And that's what he was forced to play. He had the highest quality of competition of anybody on the roster. Uh, throughout the course of the season and I think and again this is me spitballing here and playing armchair doctor I think it played into his injury woes I think he had to play way more minutes than he was ready to play uh, at the top level in the NHL on a struggling team so he was playing against the best that the opposition had to offer on a night in night out basis I absolutely think that getting him in the right role in that second pair with the right pair 
the the right partner, either Justin Barron or Johnny Kovacevic would be my pick to play with him this year. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot better out of him. As for the other two, like I said, their chemistry already uh, at dev camp look fantastic. When those three are, you know, at their full uh, development peak, uh, I think absolutely you're looking at the, the top three defensemen uh, on the Montreal Canadiens. Jared, you were there. You watched uh, Hudson and Reinbacher in in development camp. But I'm going to put you on the spot here. We could see a future first pairing uh in 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 dev camp and in in or in rookie camp and uh and main camp because we could see Caden Gooley and uh David Reinbacher together yeah I I don't I don't think Caden Gooley is going to be at rookie camp I think he's earned uh the, the little break before that but in training camp yeah I, I think you can definitely see those two together um maybe not this year I think they might want to uh insulate them a little bit maybe in practice things like that but yeah, I, I think that you know it's it's very interesting because I, I see the, those guys were essentially tied in my rankings. Like I had, I had uh, Reinbacker four, uh, Hudson five, Gooley six, but in my mind it was just like, you know, ask if they didn't tell me that order, I, I might not remember it and put them in a different order uh, the next time. So yeah, I, I think that it's it's going to be really interesting to see these guys develop because you know. Though those are like cornerstones, cornerstones on defense. You know, if you have, if in five years they have Reinbacker, Gooley, Hudson, and they all become, you know, top four uh, defenders, the, the Canadians are in really good shape. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I the, just... the the key is figuring out yeah. who's the other top four. I think those three are are bound for the top four at some point. Like if their if yeah. their development goes as we expect it to go, I think all three of them will be in the top four. It's who's the other guy, right? <laughs> Is it Justin Barron? Uh, Johnny Kovacevic. Who, who, I keep, uh, I keep uh, mentioning who's the, uh, who's the Brett Kulak to the Trident. Right? I, I, I wanted yeah. to ask about that very thing because there is one guy that we're forgetting who uh, got acquired after we had already submitted the votes and started with all this. There's a guy called Gustav Lindstrom who was acquired from the Red Wings who couldn't and, even make Fernandes roster in the Swedish. Uh, um, finals. All right, but that was a couple of years ago, and now he's played 125 NHL games. So my question is, if he were at, uh, if he had been acquired a month before, and he had been available for rankings here, where would everyone had, where would everyone had put him on um, on the top 25? Late 20s. Late 20s. Yeah, because for I'm, me, for me, he would have been in that like Norlander, a little bit below, like probably that the Bodan tier. I would say because he's obviously a dark horse, uh, you know, just being a right-handed de- defenseman on a porous um, defensive line, he's still a candidate to to start the season in the NHL. And we saw Jonathan Kovacevic come in last season uh, without having made much of a name of, for himself in in Winnipeg, for example, and and blossom into a full-time NHL defenseman uh, with the Habs. And as you mentioned, Brett Kulak has done the same. So. Who knows? I think we'll see it in in next year's rankings. I think we're all going to have to make some adjustments based on what we see this year. And we might see that group get even tighter uh, in that plateau next go around. Um, Again, it's who else can really sneak into that top four conversation that's that's currently young. Uh, You know, again, is it Justin Barron? Is it Logan Mayu? Right. Logan Mayu is probably going to get his first taste of professional hockey this year. If he does really well in Laval, there's a there's a chance that he ends up getting a chance to skate with. with Caden yeah, but but, but it's also the fact that you look at 
players like Mayu, players like Engstrom, that that has a lot to prove in this upcoming season in in, in different leagues. But you know, a bad year for either of them will drop them off quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, look at look at Philip Mashar. Mm. That's a perfect example. He didn't even have a bad season. He was point per game in the OHL, but but expectations were so high that point per game just wasn't good enough. And and he he slid like what eight spots. Sean Farrell uh, as well. Year. Sean Farrell just because he came yeah. into the NHL Sean... and was, wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, if Sean Farrell didn't play NHL games, I think he'd be top ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and because and... he played any because he played NHL games, it's like oh, he, he's not good enough for the NHL. Yeah. Um. And and so yeah, it's 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 very interesting because yeah, you have that dynamic where guys with good seasons go up, um. But but you have the dynamic where with with poor seasons they they go down. And you know, Norlander is a, is an example of that too, right? Because he hasn't really been bad. He just hasn't been putting up great numbers, and, and you know, been dropping in the rankings because of that. Then you know, uh, a guy like William Trudeau, you know. He 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 didn't have you know great numbers like his points weren't great but he was clearly the number one defenseman on that team for for most of the year. Uh, if he does that again, uh, then then you know we might be talking about him in the NHL this year. Um, I, I, I want to Andrews. yeah I want to make the comparison between Jordan Harris and uh, William Trudeau and Jordan Harris that they're just like they're not making a name for themselves by being the biggest or the fastest or the having the heaviest shot or something like that having the greatest angles so basically you don't really think about them like even now when we talk about future top four defensemen for the Montreal Canadiens we keep forgetting Jordan Harris like he yeah. could still develop into a top four defenseman. He he has shown, like he has shown that he is a steady NHL defenseman. He can still develop into something more. He had really good yeah. analytics last yeah. year exactly. in his NHL minutes. Like it, it was not, and it, again, all of this is within the context of the Habs being absolutely horrible last year. So if you manage to have good analytics on a really bad team, you know you're doing something right, and you're 100 correct. Like I think. Uh, I forgot to even mention it when I was talking about exactly. top fours. Jordan yeah. Harris could sneak his way into that conversation. That's why I said, I think next year we might see a lot of movement among the defensemen, depending on what happens this year. And I think a lot of that is going to play into who gets the chance to come up and play in the NHL. Like Jared said, what if, what if William Trudeau gets a chance to come up to the NHL and he looks fantastic and he gets a 20 game stint and he looks great towards the end of the year, what happens? I mean, nobody's going to be able to really justify leaving him in the in the late 20s or the 30s at that point. Everybody's going to have to bump him up. What if the same thing happens with Jordan Harris? What if there's a few injuries and Jordan Harris ends up playing a bunch of the year in the top four and he looks fantastic? Everybody's going to have to bump him up. He's not going to be in the teens anymore. He's going to be jumping into that top 10. Yeah. Like, it, it, there could be a lot it, of movement. Jordan Harris, Jordan Harris, to me, is kind of like Riley Kidney at, at forward because it, he doesn't do anything spectacular. Right, he yep. doesn't have like that one skill where you can be like, "Oh, that's great!" Like, like Logan Mayu has a shot. Uh, Keaton Gooley has like the, the the gap control and, and and stuff like that. Jordan Harris, he doesn't do anything like outstanding. And, and I think the same thing with Raleigh Kidney. He doesn't have anything that's outstanding, but the group of everything together makes a really productive player. And I think that that's why you know guys like Harris are are seen as below guys like Mayu. Uh, or or Jack Eye mm-hmm. because you know both of those guys have <laughs> skills that they you 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 watch them on the ice and between the size and the the skating and the physicality you, you they have something that makes you notice them 
Whereas guys like Harris and Trudeau, they don't really do anything that's noticeable, but they're just always in the right place and shutting down plays. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, like a referee or an umpire in, in baseball where like, if you don't notice them <laughs> screwing up, it's a good thing. Right. And and I think that that's, that's kind of what they do is because they don't really do the, those highlight real plays. It's just, solid I, I think you just spoke about minutes. every goalie in the world in every sport. Yeah. No, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, absolutely. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. It's the um, same also well, like when, when uh, everyone spoke about uh, Barcelona during uh, Pep Guardiola being the best team ever and everything. And, um, like one, no one understood at the time. Basically, was that uh, Sergio Busquets, who was the def- defensive midfielder of that team, he was the one making he was the one making everything tick. But no one saw him apart from when he was complaining to the referee. So, like, no one thought of him as being like this, you know, phenomenal player because he was just in the right position all the time, ninety minutes, and and that was basically it. If you have that kind of like patrolling player regardless of the sport who's just like he's there he does his job and he does exactly what the coach wants him to do he becomes like you know just invaluable i mean it's great to see these like heavy hits and you know hard shots and everything but like that their highlight real plays you want someone who's also steady for 60 minutes of a hockey game you want someone that gives that guy the opportunity to use his uh, fantastic skill or, or special skill at any given point. We have been speaking for far too long, and uh, it's not only Jared that is speaking far too long today. We all have. Uh, so so I, I congrats was good today. I was yeah, good. I was saying that you were good. Uh, it's a spray ribbon soin that that has been taking up much of the space here on the Zoom channel. We are looking forward to hear your thoughts on 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 in a future article we want to hear your thoughts on this top 25 under 25 the podcast version we're going to continue in to december with a lot more coverage on the podcast and of course in written form on ice on the prize thank you all three for joining me and uh, we'll be back shortly with more podcasts and more articles Is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.